Hello, I'm your host Giselle Gamby and this is the Intuitive Pool podcast. First of all, I want to say thank you to the community of listeners because there have been breathtaking ripples that have occurred from listening to this podcast and I'm excited to be witness of many, many more. This year, I'm dedicating this podcast to the theme of 2023 being a breakthrough year. No matter how successful, fulfilled and happy we are, and the truth is that sometimes we're not, we all have thresholds we've placed on ourselves on how loving and powerful we've allowed ourselves to be. Following the intuitive pull does not negate our vulnerabilities and our humanness. Oftentimes, following the intuitive pull asks us to see our blind spots and to bring what has been in the shadow to light. And when we do, we can see that being fully human is in fact the precursor to remembering that we are infinitely greater than this mortal body, that we are infinitely connected beyond this time and space, not in spite of our humanity, but because of the intricate weaving of all aspects of our precious humanity. When we take responsibility and remember that you have the power to decide what you choose and we fuse that with a letting go of control and surrendering into the plans that you didn't make, there is nothing that you cannot transform. My wish is that you see that the deeper you go, the greater your wealth in all ways and that authenticity is always profitable. Have fun. Hello, dear Intuitive Pool community. Welcome back. This is an episode that I had dreamt about for actually probably about six months. I have been dying to interview my hero partner, my dear, dear, dear friend, Shabelle Zeta. It's taken six months for us to get here for some reason. I guess that we're going to find out why it's taken us this long to have this conversation. First of all, I just want to introduce Charbelle. I met Charbelle probably about over 20 years ago, I think it was, at a party. And I looked over at Charbelle and I thought, hello. (laughs) (laughs) I was definitely more than 20 years ago. I was single. And uh, and then I learned that Charbelle, you know, would not be into me. In terms of you're beautiful, preferring the the female kind, and so we laughed about that, and we said that we would uh, set each other up on blind dates, which <laughs> which we did. Yours was pretty disastrous. Mine didn't turn up. Yeah, <laughs> that was so funny. Imagine if it was married at first sight. Oh my god! Can you imagine that? Oh my god! Uh, so Shabel and I have really walked life together we call each other hero partners if anybody knows joseph campbell's the hero's journey there are certain people in your life that you just walk alongside with and we're always in parallel always in parallel and so Charbel's a very very dear friend of mine and also a dear friend of the my family's and a wonderful mentor to my son so that is him now i'm going to talk a little bit about his professional bio just so that you can get context as to who Charbel is in his leadership. Charbel is a seasoned founder and well-regarded expert in customer experience design, technology, and education. With over 26 years' experience, he has worked with industry leaders in digital and various industries worldwide, launching startups, 
and improving digital experiences for companies of all sizes. Shabelle's current focus is something that I have a lot of trouble understanding, but we're <laughs> going to go there anyway. Shabelle's current focus is on emerging Web3 technologies and his passion for elevating human experiences while serving the planet is evident in his latest startup, Planet Neo. He founded Planet Neo, a fictional shared universe or metaverse that includes games, educational explorations and media such as animations. His most recent startup exit was Academy XI, a company he founded in 2014. It still is a wonderful company. It's still alive. And when I knew Charbel at the time that Charbel led Academy XI, it was an incredible company where they created short courses that prepared students for jobs of the future, propelling thousands of students' careers. There's a new chapter, however, about to emerge here, and I can't wait to see where it I can't wait to see it come to life. Charbel's exciting journey has brought him, and this is so true to the edge of reality. Charbel is a futurist. Uh, he sees vision before anybody else can see it. And I remember, oh, maybe about five years ago, I remember saying to you, and I even wrote a post about it, uh, don't doubt your vision just because other people can't see it yet. Mm. You are that futurist. You've got that inner eye that sees new realities that other people can't see until they do, until they catch up. I always feel like you're ahead of time. So thanks for being with me. Well, thank you. Thank you. That's what an intro, Jesus. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that barely touches some of the stuff I've done. Got to talk about colourful. Anyhow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. You've got a lot of life experiences, my God. So I just want to frame up, I want to frame up this conversation because actually I feel that one of the reasons why it took us about six months to have this conversation is because I needed to see something that is going to hold this conversation in, in a certain context. And it's the context of sacred leadership. Mm. And this has only arrived in the last week where Dr. Carol Haddad and Sammy Howard, Dr. Carol Haddad, who's an integrative oncologist, and Sammy Howard, who's a pranic energy healer, who you've talked, you've heard me talk about many times on this podcast. I even wrote about them on the latest newsletter. You've heard them on this podcast as well. They facilitated their first retreat together for people who have cancer and people who had cancer. And I was on a Zoom call with them last week, hearing them talk about their experience. And the only thing that Carol could say when I would say, how was it, how was it? Or when people would ask her, how is it? She said to me, how do I even put it into words? I can't put it into words. There's no way that I can encapsulate what happened into words other than to say that it was beyond expectations, way beyond expectations. And when I was looking at them speak to what was happening on the retreat, I literally could see this space in between them and their participants. I literally could see this space. And what I was saying was two people who completely led from presence, who completely led from intuition, who read what was going on. They were the radar in that moment and they 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 followed, they followed the intuitive pull. They had let go of control. They were surrendered to a plan that was much greater than the plan that they could ever make. And it's this inner state of beingness, this inner state of beingness where I've seen time and time again, and it really it's the only thing that really matters to me. It's this inner state of being, beingness 
that is the space where miracles are seated. And such was the case for them. And so being in awe of what I was watching with Dr. Carol and Sammy has made me be even in more reverence to that space in between, to that, to that, that beingness, the state of beingness. And really, if I was to define it in two words, it's they're in their sacred leadership. And Shabelle, that's who I have seen you as. I've seen you demonstrate sacred leadership from the time that we started walking together. When was it? When we did when we did, did we start walking together? Gosh, I I still remember the call that I got from you. I was doing this um contract um at CBA. We we actually met, as you said, over 20 years ago, and we did do some work together. However, the real work I feel started in 2013 when I got a call. It was a, you were excited and I could hear a bit of nervousness in the voice so I've just something's landed I don't remember the exact words so this is not a quote but it was the essence of the conversation I was sneaking out of a meeting because I didn't want to be in a meeting I was working at a, one of Australia's largest banks another contract and it was you know um, things were going on there and you were describing what was going on what had landed around this new program around leadership and authenticity um, and I can't remember if that was the time where you coined, you know, authenticity is profitable, but I'm pretty sure that was it. Wasn't it is. It? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And all I said was yes. And and you kept talking and you there was a bit, a bit of nervousness about it. And because we've been doing a bit of work prior to that. Um, and largely it was conversational. And um when I say unstructured, that does that's not to do with how you're approaching it, but it was unstructured in that it was a free sort of exchange of time. You know, we were just doing that. And you got to the point through the nerves where you said, uh, I just have to let you know, because I already said, yes, I'm doing the, the program, right? And you got to that point where um, you paused and you said, I need to charge for this. And I said, yes, I'm doing the course. I said, yes, already. And I think the work started that week after. You know, it was, I know it was midweek. Um, I was sitting there, again, avoiding work, avoiding meetings because it was a contract and love that word contract because the first three letters kind of told me everything <laughs> that it meant about who I was at that point huh um chasing the funds and um and certainly not chasing any meaning huh um and we started work that week that week after that was in 2013 and I was doing this little transition thing where um I thought okay I can keep doing this keep doing the work and and not quite ready to launch anything yet but I'll keep working and I got to this point where I remember sitting in this meeting and there were 20 people in a room I was the designer in the in the whole process and there was 20 people sitting in this room and the meeting was about whether we should call this thing so the project was getting this little field into a an online the online bank to collect people's tax file number and the discussion was and it was a heated discussion do we call this tax file number my tax file number or your tax file number and I left the meeting, took my boss to the side and I said, this is my last meeting. I'm sorry, I'm finishing up today. Wow. <laughs> and that was, for me, that was like, I, it, and it wasn't about them because that's how a lot of corporations do function or malfunction. It was more about who the 
hell. I was going to say fuck, but can I swear? Yeah. Oh, my I? God. We swear a lot on this podcast. Oh, me. good, good, good. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, I always, always tick explicit when I'm public, you know, when I'm publishing. Oh, you do? Okay. Clean or explicit? Definitely not clean. Explicit. Totally. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Because I, I was so sick of how I was showing up. Mm. You know, it was like, great, it was good money, but I was blowing all the money because it was just like resolving whatever tension there was about being there and not not following what I was meant to follow. So I did it. I quit. And um, as you know, a couple of months later is when I started um, uh, Velvet Onion and then the school, which is now Academy Exercise. So, we, yeah, it's been a 10-year journey that we've been doing yeah. really, really big work together. Yeah. Really. And big work. Really big work. The, yeah. As as I've been saying recently, I just actually not recently. I've been saying it in the last two days, three days. This is about an inner PhD. Mm. Like really, the level of commitment that you have and the level of commitment that I have to continuing to be the all that we can be, which is infinite. We are on a perpetual inner PhD, mm. which is so rewarding. So it's not about navel I just want to make this point. It's not about perpetually navel-gazing and going around in circles and not being free. It's absolutely about being free. Yeah. And going into even newer levels of freedom and newer levels of freedom and newer levels of freedom, which is where you're at right now. Mm. Mm. So seeing this podcast this year is being dedicated to it being a breakthrough year, I know that you have experienced several breakthroughs. In my in my experience, I seem to to experience um, a major, major, major breakthrough once every ten years. That seems to be my pattern. I can go back to twenty years ago, and wow, that changed my life. Ten years ago, ten years ago, that changed my life. I feel like I'm about to have another life changing year this year, which is why it's called the breakthrough year. And of course, we experience breakthroughs in between that. Of course we do. God, I feel like I experience one every week. Yeah. But in terms of those big life-changing, my life has never been the same type of breakthroughs. Can you talk about some of those moments for you? Sure. I'll go back to when I got that call from you. I feel that was such an epic breakthrough year for me because, you know, I was um, well-known in the industry of digital, you know, customer experience, which, you know, user experience design, I was... Yeah, some people call me the godfather or grandfather of, more like grandfather, really, that's the truth, of the whole space because I was one of the first in Australia to be doing it. At that point where you called me, I'd been doing a lot of contract work. So, you know, going from place to place, working, meeting heaps of people, great people, um, earning the money, but, of course, nothing to show for it. And it wasn't about having anything to show for it, but it was great for a while. But after a little while, it became a habit, a very, very unconscious habit. When I got to that point, I realized in relationships and certainly in some sort of friendships I was holding, um, even in the work I was doing, I constantly felt once I got a bit of awareness that I was always in a space of compromise. You know, somebody would need something or need me to be somehow for them. Therefore, I would adjust and make some edits to make things comfortable for people so, so you adjust yourself is that what you're saying you'd make yeah, adjustments within yourself totally, totally totally it was constant editing like it was like ah. it was like i was you know it was, i was like this photoshop of myself huh. you know, kept, kept cutting bits out um placing bits on 
doing things that really were about deprioritizing myself for the sake of uh, comfort for everyone else. Mm. And that's true family. Like, you know, I, I go, I can delve even, to, I'm not going to delve into the family story. That's probably another podcast, but at a DNA level, when I look at the, my ancestry and the, the choices that have come through the many, many, many generations and what's been embedded in our DNA, it's quite a familiar thing to do. Um, and I see it with a lot of friendships too. And that's one of my defaults where I get to people who are willing to listen is um, about the editing of oneself, which is, you know, so so I got to that point where I came up with, I think you and I were working on themes for the year. And my theme for that one was about compromise, dot, 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 the fuck up. Um, <laughs> and I remember that so well. Yeah. And because it was like, okay, so great. I, I'm so happy to compromise. And from that day I made the choice, it was like, I will compromise as long as I'm being stretched or I'm growing or I'm becoming a, a, a more evolved version of who I'm meant to be in this world rather than the edited version of who I felt I needed to be for everybody else. So that was that was a big, big, big breakthrough. And not to say that, you know, I haven't done any sort of unconscious compromising since because I certainly have. Um, however, it really opened up my own lexicon of of things and uh, my ability to actually name what is going on and when and why I've done certain things. Yeah, so it's really, really opened up a whole lot of awareness, particularly with language, how I speak, mm. how people speak to each other. So that was a big, 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 big breakthrough. And, mm. of course, from that was, you know, I... Um, thought, okay, I'm going to set up my agency. Um, and that was towards the end of that year. You remember that one quite well. Yes. I, um, we were coaching and I'd landed my first client, which was, I don't even recall how, oh, that's right, the marketing manager got in touch. It was a startup. Uh, they had a limited budget. They needed to do an overhaul of the product that was working quite well for them. And so I took it on and did it all myself, like the the UX, the design, all the research, um, made a reasonable amount of money, not billions, but, you know, enough. And then I found an office, remember that one in Surrey Hills, and it was literally I needed a $20,000 deposit, and that's what I had in the bank, in the, uh, in the account, the business account. So I dropped the $20,000, and, of course, I freaked out, completely freaked out, thinking, okay, that's it, I've got no more business funds, what am I going to do? I've got to fit this place out, blah, blah, blah. Uh, three days later, I get a call from a woman who I'd worked with and she put me in touch with somebody who was looking to train their entire UX team because at that point, it wasn't just an agency. I was thinking I want an integrated agency and an integrated school teaching the skills that we do as an agency. Stupidly big ambition. And of course, it wasn't, wasn't stupidly big. It made a lot of sense to me. Um, and that was the beginning. So that client said, I've got 20 something thousand dollars to spend. <laughs> and, and, and the fun bit is that they paid up front. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing, right? This is the thing. So I, I, we're kind of giving the listeners an inside look into, into us because yeah. the amount of conversations that we have had over the years, not recently, but you know, around yeah. that time, probably for the next five years or so, 
where you'd come to a call with me and say, you know, feel anxious and worried about something and mm. a potential uh, proposal that you'd put in, you hadn't heard back from them, they weren't coming back to you, blah, 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 blah. It was this common pattern, right, of they're not coming back to me or I've lost something or I don't have enough money. And every time you would come to me and we'd talk about that and then we'd see what was really going on inside of you that created that external reality, Yeah. we would get off the phone or Zoom and immediately, immediately you would have Mm. an email in your inbox or a phone call saying we're ready to proceed. Totally, totally. Almost every time. Totally. Do you remember that one about a year and a half forward after that? Yeah. I had I had to make payroll. I had a staff of 12 and the money was dropping and then literally landed this project. And again, I had to pay for it up front because it was the end of tax year. Um, it was a $250,000 project that they had to, they literally had to spend it before the end of the year. And I was thinking, how am I going to make payroll? I was freaking out, you know growing this stuff and, you know, things just went quiet, dead quiet for a while and bang. Yeah. So this wasn't the languaging that we were using back then. Hmm. But when I talk about this, the space in between, hmm. those situations happen because you'd go into that space in between, right? You'd go within and you'd have a look at what was going on and you'd become really present and you go to a place of ownership and humility. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, you'd feel all the feelings that would go with it, even shame, and we'll talk about that later. Mm. And then you'd love yourself. And then bang. And mm. so there's there's an expression that I'm using right now that nothing but miracles is the new standard. Mm. Nothing but miracles is the new standard. I love that. And I don't think that in most people's lives, you know, $250, $250,000 needing to be spent because it's end of tax year. So they need to pay you up front $250,000. I don't really think that happens very often. No, no. A- and not in the circumstances where you had to make payroll. Mm. Like that doesn't really happen very often. Thus is the importance, right? This is the importance of this the inner PhD, like the inner work. It's yep. like critical. <laughs> absolutely. 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 You know, and as you said when you introduced it, the this this particular podcast, is that there's always this new layering. Mm-hmm. So as we uh, get mm-hmm. to a certain point, you know, it's just like, you know, with with training, any sort of fitness training that we do, is that we hit a plateau. Mm. with the training and for me and i recognize this so deeply at the moment um uh and i know we'll get onto that later around the shame mm. is that even with the work is that the next level has to be unlocked it's kind of like you know the games because i'm working on a game at the moment mm. and as you pass through a level you can't get to the level two unless you've gone through level one you know those yeah those, Literally, I'm I'm waiting to publish a game at the moment. <laughs> yes, and that's that's how kind of it feels in this work is that you know through the years that we were coaching together, every time I got to an insight, 
great practice that you know wax on wax off that was the whole thing from cry to kid and then um and then great we plateau we integrated it have fun for a while and then it's like okay work's got to begin again <laughs> yep yep so true and i love i love the way yeah. that you describe that there's always a new la- layering there is always there's always a always. new layering yeah always, always. yeah always i love yeah. it yeah i love it so so let's go there let's talk about shame shame mm. the power of shame is other words that i feel like i feel like framing shame up in in those words the power of shame talk mm-hmm. to me about shame like one of the things that i also love um and this is to do with jeff brown's work uh he's got a few books grounded spirituality i think is one of them and he has this expression it's okay to be fully human mm. I love that because, you know, in the spiritual mm. world, sometimes it's not okay to be f- fully human. There's a lot mm. of spiritual bypassing that goes on. Mm. I've done it before, that's for sure. I did it before 2013, Every, you know, completely, completely in delusion and in denial, completely. Yeah. So it's okay to be fully human. Talk to us about the power of shame, about the humanly emotion of shame. Wow. This is, it's been one of the things that has been such a big part of my experience particularly the last six to eight months in more more intensely in the last six months and you know there there was another big breakthrough I had which was a few years ago look you know I've raised some money for a startup raised a lot of more money for another startup as I was working on they're related all to do with games and you know metaverse nfts and things like that and last year was brutal. Like it was a brutal, brutal year uh, financially and taking full responsibility. I made a lot of mistakes and a lot of uh, errors in judgment on what to do and what not to do. So, and and I can get into that. That could be another two days of talking about what the lessons were out of that. What, what ensued was in September last year, I, t- I had to stand my team down, which was brutal. Like that, that for me, Mm. was uh, gut-wrenching in mm. that, A, there were so many on the team who I developed really deep personal relationships with, and I still have those relationships. It's not mm. that they've, they've um, disappeared. Mm. And I felt a real responsibility to making sure that not only do I do the right thing for people who put money into the businesses, but also make sure that these people who are brought into the team I give them the space to grow professionally and also ideally personally through through the work that I do and learn and teach. And, you know, just to backtrack a bit, um, I still remember the time at Velvet Onion where you were coach for the whole team, if, it, if people wanted to, and some people took that up, which was great. I love that. And I still had that in mind as being part of the, the future of what I wanted to do with Planet Neo and Old Saints. So when I, when I stood everybody down, I wept pretty deeply in front of a couple of them, those who I was particularly close with. And I felt like an absolute freaking failure, Mm. like a massive failure because, you know, it was public. Like what I was doing was quite public. Mm. I'd raised money publicly. I'd um, done a lot of work publicly. I was talking about the reason for doing what I'm doing, you know, the purpose behind it, but also the opportunity around it. So from from the the heart space of doing things from real purpose to the more masculine 
energetic space of this is great because you know anyone who puts money in has the potential to earn um, earn money back on their investment startup we know startups are fraught with risk and what had happened because i was so public is that i went into a spin a, de- a depression to be to be mm. frank like it was a real depression mm. and for me depression's best friend is shame mm. it works so well uh together i was like the language you know i was going through and the, the things i was saying to myself and i'm still catching myself some days going through that uh around i'm an idiot I fucked up so badly. I did this, I blah, and I did even publicly with with the Web three community. It's toxic, really toxic. And I went there and actually openly stated the mistakes that I did, which some people appreciated, but most of them just tore me to shreds. Mm. Um, you know, and and I was prepared for that, and that was okay. What it was, what was going on is that the story I was telling myself was I fucked up so royally and that everybody hates me and nobody will ever ever trust me again Mm. okay um and you know with all with all the money that was raised i've seen startups fail spectacularly i'm talking hundreds of millions it was nothing in that that league whatsoever for me it was significant because there were people who i made my own promise energetically to them that i would support them and make their career blossom through this and and create abundance through through the things that i was working on had some amazing ideas like really really amazing ideas beautiful branding beautiful so much beautiful work that was done and for me to have it stored on different digital platforms and not really see light of day added to the story that i wasn't a good leader I'm not a good executor of of ideas. I'm I'm basically a shit human being. That mm. was what's been, you know, the, the thing that was going on. Mm. And of course, the other cousin, the second cousin to depression and shame for me was um comparison. You know, not just comparison myself to others, but comparison to me five years ago, where I was doing mm. something you know, comparison to myself that I thought I would be in the future. You know, so this these layers of comparison, and I did compare myself to people who had done well, who'd, you know, done the the thing that is not me, but stuck with the one thing that they're absolutely brilliant at and done really well financially. So I had all these comparisons going on, which added to the weight of shame um, because I could then, you know, hindsight as we love is the most valuable tool to add to the shame toolkit if we choose to have the framing of shame on hindsight and that's the interesting bit is that if we put the lens of shame on hindsight it's fucking powerful it can be so fucking powerful because of course i can go back and look at every single mistake that i've made and every error in judgment that i had missed at that point and i could piece the whole thing together and it's like okay this is why i'm here now mm. you know? and so so shame was mm. was so it was so multifaceted 
and of course ending up with debts as well like tax debts and things like that so so there was just all this this constant barraging of of reasons to feel that i'm not good mm. you know yeah talk to us again about shame and hindsight oh yeah that was, so that, that's powerful yeah so so the shame bit is for me you know we, with the with the the privilege of having hindsight yes and, and the time to have hindsight as my mechanism as part of my toolkit yeah to be able to go back and trace my steps and yeah. to look at every single thing every choice that i made along the way yeah and at the point of making the choice it was with genuine good intention mm. genuine genuine good intention there was there was and I, I can say this with hand on heart there was no manipulation there was no greed there was no um self gain out of any of this it was like what is the best thing i can do right now often with advice and often with well meaning advice and often with tainted advice um however i would always make the decisions whatever the decisions were with pure intent and and to have the privilege of hindsight because you know i'm alive thankfully mm-hmm. i have time you know i have more time on my hands at the moment so i had that that capacity to go back what that did was instead of looking at my steps towards failure they became monuments to my failure wow tell us what you mean by that wow can, so, I, can I just say something you're the way you're you have an artistry with language i love you thank you so oh, you're, you're my love, love love the way you speak they are monuments to shame is that what you mm-hmm. said or to failure but they are literally the failure. reasons the reasons i can hang my my shame hat on on yeah yeah. On, and you know, and again, this is all the self-flagellation that yeah. um comes with it. So so you know, decisions in hiring. Is that what the is that what you would like me to go yeah, towards? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So so hiring again, I hired really, really good people and often at the wrong time. Yeah, right. Um uh deciding on having uh more time in experimentation than and less time in delivering, for example. Getting to things that went to market that were tested really well, got amazing feedback, and didn't land. They just didn't didn't work. And you know, we had a couple of interesting twists, which were, you know, the COVID lockdowns were two twists that that really did hurt. However, you know, looking at owning the whole of my reality, it was decisions that led us to having really shaky foundations that enable COVID to damage, to create the damage, you know. And that's, that's what it came to. That, that's where those mo- moments, the monumental moments, the shrines to hmm. to my failure, hmm. um, just I, I could literally list them all. And while they're good lessons for me moving forward, they are also painful lessons. Mm. You know. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, so so that was all all the things that I had done that I could go back and trace the true step by step. Mm. The the other 
added layer was a couple of people who put in, you know, I raised money through crowdfunding, which was people would could contribute anything from 250, somebody contributed up to a hundred thousand. Um, so you know, most people it was relatively small amounts, but I was getting again maybe overly generous feedback about from a couple of people who were really, really pissed off on how I pivoted the company away from breakfast cereals towards technology. And what I was able to do with those two stories was extrapolate and look at every other person who I don't hear from and make up a story that they all hate me, you know, which added to this. It wasn't evidence-based shame. It was very much created out of extrapolating a couple of bits of feedback into, into what I believed, uh, particularly towards the end of last year was I will never, ever be able to be trusted again. People hate me or blah, blah, blah. All those things that go so well with shame. And where are you at now? I feel calmer, more resolved. And, and it was interesting. I know you and I spoke about this um, the other day at, at Bricky. I had a, again, I love my accountant to bits. She's one of the most amazing human beings on the planet. And we had a call with a lawyer uh, to discuss about winding down the companies. And, you know, that's one way of clearing debts and, all of that, it didn't sit well with me because I'm still working, you know, still working on what I believe are the things that matter, hmm. even though it's slower than what the world would have expected, you know, because again, funds ran out and having tax debt to pay is never, never comfortable because, you know, it's ugly because, you know, it's just like, oh, money I've got to spend and it feels like spending is not, not an investment. It's like, oh, um, but again, that was bad decision-making. And the advice to wind down the companies, I said, look, that was on a Friday afternoon. I sat with it and realized that there is another way. I found this space in between, again, in between all the noise in my head and and all the well-meaning advice, because it wasn't the first person who suggested, again, with the best of intentions, all for my own sake, to wind down everything and just dust myself off and and then see what's next. So none of it sat well with me. And what I'd been ignoring over the last couple of months was this guy who was hounding me about a research and development grant. Okay. And I did my own calculations. And and although the debts I'm in right now, the tax debts, uh, feel significant, they're quite insignificant in the big picture of what I'm working towards. They're really insignificant. And I did my own calculations and thought, I'm, I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm actually, I can do this. Uh, and I know I can do it. So of course, how I am now is um, I'm cautiously moving forward with my next chapter, my chapter next, which is still everything I had been working on uh, with the tying it together with the thing that I'm called to do in this world which is, you know, that's the, the next version of, I'll just hush-hush quietly, my next version of what education will look like with everything I've learned over the last two years. So that was going to be my next question. So we'll go oh, into the, and, then, and then go into the oh, hush-hush. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, yes. so, so how, so we, how, can I just say something? Mm. So, so we know you and I have lived this mm. premise. Uh, sometimes we forget. Sometimes we then remember it. 
that everything was perfect as it was. Yeah. Because yeah. we create the whole of our reality with love and wisdom always. Always. There's divine yeah. perfection in everything. So everything was perfect as it was. So frame up what's arriving now yeah. in, in that premise, if you can. Absolutely. You know, the, when you did my intro this morning, just now, yes, it's just interesting to see that things that I love, and I could draw circles around specific disciplines and look at the weight of experience I have in all of them. You know, when I look at the weight of experience I've got in customer experience design, the weight of experience I have with education, the weight of experience mm. I have with technology, the weight of experience I have with um, my the being in touch with my humanness, with married to my my spirit, my true nature and purpose, I can literally put them in big circles and look at them, and they're big bubbles. I'm not going to do a Venn diagram with them because they're all one. It's all me. Like it's all me. There's no Venn diagram needed. <laughs> I, I I look at all of them together and I look at it and think, well, I have such a, so much experience and in some cases so much expertise. And I'm not expert in all of those areas, but I have so much experience in them. And in the areas where I do have the expertise, this is where having the space as well, having that space where, you know, I've I've got the chance to reflect, come out of the the depression, come out of the brutal self-doubt and the self-shit talk that I've been doing. I've come out and realized that what I'm meant to be doing is more than what I've been doing, but not like in terms of adding more to my plate. There's the amorness that has come through. Amorness. So the, I love yeah. that. Amorness. <laughs> <laughs> and um and i just heard that again amor means like you know in italian amore oh, yeah, love yeah, yeah. yeah. Amore, amoreness yeah yes i love um, it and and i looked at you know where i'm sitting right now i'm actually in the bedroom because we're quite noisy downstairs so i've got my vision board just over on the other wall and i look at the things that are there so you know there's things about planet neo there's education niche around that animations which you know you've seen a little snippet of it uh travel and doing some good deep 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 work you know uh fun and play is up there as well and i look at all the things that i have done and look at what i've learned in the last two and a half years and how that absolutely can and will come together because it may not make sense to the outside world yes that's because you're you see a future beyond or before I should say mm. other people have the ability to see it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And it makes, and it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. That the things that bringing the metaverse, you know, I know you're, you're still trying to get your head around that truth is most people are. Okay. Yep. So it's a, such a broad concept. It's like calling the, like trying to describe internet. It's more than just a computer, right? So that's the same with the yeah. That's another another one. Um, but how do I bring emerging tech, new models as well, new models around digital ownership, bring games, bring education, bring purpose, right, and bring serious design sensibility into making really complicated things simple again. 
And I look at all the things and it's like, okay, everything makes sense because I can bring my years of customer experience design work together, my years of launching startups at various degrees of success, <laughs> you know, the spectrum of, of, of goes from um, abject failure to pretty good. Um, <laughs> he's he's being hum humble there. Yeah, pretty, pretty good. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the, the, that, that spectrum of, of experience in that uh, and then, adding all the, the new things that I've learned around tokenomics and Web3 models and how to create genuine community and ownership of a business model. It's like, mm, okay, here we go. You know, where it started to make sense for me was one time you said to me, somebody in Africa, for example, with the game that you're creating, somebody in Africa, for example, could get rewarded by going to clean up rubbish on the beach. Yep. They can actually get rewarded for for, for that. Yep. That's when it started to kind of make start to make sense for me. Mm. Yep. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that, that for me is using technology, using new models, using education as a mechanism to trigger change. Because, you know, most you see it um, everywhere education for the most part is still an elite concept mm. you know, that, that was one of the clashes i had in my last startup was um there was a decision to drop scholarships and i was furious about it and i said because we were purpose-driven and i do that with air quotes and somebody said education is impact enough and my response was yes if you can afford it and that was went like a lead balloon. That didn't really go. There was no discussion after that. And and for me, it's like, well, okay, so we can actually integrate really affordable um, education models. And there's more. There's a new new sort of layering that came through the other day where we can reward people to do things, as you said, clean up the ocean and give them credits towards learning a skill that gets them into the gig economy. Imagine you cleaning up your local neighbourhood and all of a sudden you've earned yourself a, a chance to learn a course in coding and bang, you're on Upwork earning 50 bucks an hour, whereas your monthly earnings would have been 50 bucks. Right? If the listeners could see me right now, I'm kind of like nodding in like disbelief of just how bloody brilliant this is. Hmm. And, that, and that literally, that, I was speaking with the developer yesterday about how do we, how can we build this? You know, not not we don't need to build the full version right now, but what's the basic version we can get started with? Mm. Big, that was my big learning from the last couple of years is that we're going big and mm. trying to build the big thing rather than going what's the most basic thing we can do first yeah. and get that up. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that, that's where it's all coming together. So you know, and thank you for asking how I am now as I speak it out loud, because I haven't spoken it out loud like this, I feel uh, an aliveness and I feel a genuine animation in my body. It was, I actually, at a cellular level, cellular level, I can feel things moving. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And you're an incredible example of someone who follows the intuitive pool like 
every one of these startups that you've spoken about, whether they've been, you know, you've defined them as being a failure or whether you've defined them as being um, pretty good, which, as I said, you're being a bit humble there. <laughs> I do I do harsh and humble. <laughs> harsh and humble, the two H's. Yeah. <laughs> um, every one of those has been the result of following the intuitive pull. And if I think about the serials, of course the serials weren't successful. Yes, you could blame it on all the reasons that you have and COVID and all the rest of it and, and, and take responsibility, which you have. But the biggest picture, it just wasn't the form that had the greatest impact, that would have the greatest impact. And That's for right. you, it's all about the impact. It's all mm-hmm. about the impact for you. Mm. I mean, you wanted, you wanted to educate people about, about the planet through these serials and um and 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 kids learning about you know the endangered species and all the rest of it but mm. you made a comment what was that comment it was really 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 spectacular and it was comparing the change that you could have or the impact that you could have made through the serials versus the impact that you can make by you know a kid in Africa going to clean oh, up that's right oh, that, was, that was the brilliant. post that was that post I put up on LinkedIn I think it was something about Yes, was that elitism on a supermarket shelf? Yeah, yeah, and that—that's what it was. Because again, it was a product that um, you had to pay, yeah, and reasonable amount of money for, and it was on some shelves. However, again, it came down to the impact that if a kid in Africa or in Indonesia is living in squalor, which of course not all of them, not all people are, but there's a lot of people who are, yeah. and how do I get? How do I get to that young girl or young boy who has the capacity to be so freaking brilliant in our context of of uh, abundance? You know what we talk about in terms of abundance and being able to create a family, whatever they want to do. Um, buying a box of cereals and donating ten cents to a charity does nothing. It literally does nothing. However, put a game in their hand and give them direct rewards and get them earning their way towards a program that can get them on Upwork or Freelancer.com or Fiverr earning 50 bucks an hour. That has impact. It's, that changes somebody's <laughs> life. I mean, that just directly and literally and, changes somebody's life. And and my, my other uh, layering with this, and again, this takes a while to get these sort of things up and running, is that that has a direct impact on the community that they're in as well. Because if there's three, four, five, six, seven kids, all of them learning different disciplines around technology, all of them becoming aware of the fact that if they improve their environment, there's also money to be made in regenerative farming. There's more money to be made in tourism of uh, when an area is luscious and and natu- naturally abundant. They've got incomes coming in. They've got people coming to visit. Restaurants can open up tour guides can start doing things, you know, it, it really can genuinely trigger a whole lot more in the community mm. than just enough for that one person to make a really good living. And and talk about, you're, you're talking about breathtaking ripples of impact here. Yeah. Breathtaking yeah. ripples that, that affect an ecosystem. That's what you're talking about versus a kid going to the supermarket shelf and reading about an endangered species. And go, wow, I didn't realize there were that many orangutans left in the world. And yeah, that yeah. has its own impact and he's going to care 
course. more about, you know, and you might even talk about it, but but is it really going to change? Is it really going to make the difference that you're talking about now? Mm. No, no. Mm. And so I, I want to make this point around following the intuitive pull and really acknowledging you, Charbel, because I follow the intuitive pull, but I don't go and have these visions. They don't come to me. It's mm. not who I am where I have to raise funds, you know, to execute my vision. I don't, and, 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 you know, therefore be really public about my vision. I, it's just not who I am, but that's who you are. Mm. I really, really want to acknowledge you because that's bloody courageous. It's so courageous to continue to, you know, that expression failing forward. Mm. Yeah. It's really not a failure, right? Because where you're at now, you couldn't be here talking about that level of impact had you not had had the serials not worked. You could you yeah. couldn't, right? So it was yeah, again, everything has a purpose. Everything was perfect as it was, of course. But in the meantime, you do go and face, you know, people commenting to you on you about your failures. You do like because you, you're so public. So I just really, really, really want to acknowledge and I hope that you have even more compassion for yourself because the makeup, your makeup as you are, is someone. I mean, people follow you. I feel like you're the Pied Piper. People love you, especially when you're in that when you make yourself, when you allow yourself to be in your in your leadership out there in the world and I know that you've kind of been in your world recently because you've had to be Hmm. you've had to be but when you're out there in the world like you people love you people absolutely love you and learn from you and so thank you for being who you are because bloody courageous bloody courageous and so I hope that you walk away with even more love for self Thank you. Thank you. It's great actually speaking out loud because I've been working on it quite privately. And, you know, I've shared a couple of things with you via messages. It, there's clearly, and you've said this to me and you say this to me constantly, my power is being out there and talking, mm. doing presentations, meeting people, mm. doing what needs to be done um, and being visible, not being invisible. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, great opportunity to be able to speak that out. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And who knows? It feels like there's a little bit of a series here Mm. that might Mm. want to uh, be had. Mm. It's like, we know that book Tuesdays with Maury. Yes. I feel like, what's today? Wednesday. Wednesday (laughs) with Charbel. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I, I, look, I, I love these chats. I love what you do. And I've met so many people who've come through um, the, the various programs that you've offered over the years. And there is no shortage of love for and between everybody, you know, and I love that. that that's that's one of um, my, my many, 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 many things. You know, I know we've got a couple of very close mutual friends who've, um, both coach with you and we've we've dined and gone and done things together i love that I th- you know for me having had the last six months um in relative isolation and i you know living in sydney close to a beach is kind of handy especially because we finally have a good summer has been great being in in my own sort of mental lockdown has uh has been good but enough enough of it yeah enough yeah 
Uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Enough. Mm. So thank you so much for sharing you with us. Thank you. Thank you for the questions. You always ask the best questions. <laughs> <laughs> you really do. I had, like anyone who's listening, I had no script. I had no idea what we were going to be talking about. And um, my tendency is to waffle, which I'm doing right now. Ah, no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> but, but speaking of, I when I do interview people, I, I have people ask me, um, are you going to send me a list of questions before we get on? And I say no, oh, because God. we're just going to have a conversation from a place of presence. That's what's going to happen. It's just I love that. Create itself. Isn't that but, funny? Yeah. And that's, isn't that, that's, that's what I expect Madonna would do before you interviewed her. <laughs> a, set of, a set of approved questions <laughs> that's so funny that's so funny so thanks again i really appreciate it. i think we're going to be back here again soon oh there's so much i'd love to speak about i've got um a few other things that you know that take us beyond right. ourselves as well let's, that, let's um, do it let's do it your experiences i'd love to share with you awesome awesome so, thank you thank you thank you you're amazing thank you thank you Massive. love you Massive love to you too. Thank love, you. love, love. And, um, you can see my love, love print behind I me. I can. I noticed that. <laughs> yes, it's in my bedroom. So okay, to, to the yes. listeners, uh, yes, I hope you feasted. You feasted on that conversation. And uh, share your love. Let us know. Let us know what occurred for you. And let me be able to pass that back on to this incredible man, Charbel. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey guys, if you love this podcast, I have two requests. Number one, sign up to the newsletter, which you can find in the show notes. Sharing is one of my superpowers and there is only so much that I can share through the medium of podcasting. And I have very big plans this year to be radically generous to you. So sign up to that newsletter where you'll be able to receive a whole lot more that I trust will be super valuable to you. And number two, I'm a massive referrer of the people I love to the people I love. Please share this episode or podcast with the people you love and let's create some more breathtaking ripples of impact.